like there's just such a reverence in the room, you know? We're just sitting here talking about how worthy God is, you know, and how powerful He is, and, and how in this moment, you know, God is here with us. You know, I love that uh, Pastor Howie was talking about that, you know, just God being here with us. And I love that God is here in this place. He's everywhere at all times, but you know he's also in the small little details. And he knows the intricate parts of everything. And just, I, I don't know what it is today, I just feel just such a reverence for God. It is so good to be in the house of God together, amen? Amen, well welcome to church, you guys. Is that me? I don't know. Welcome to church. It's going to be a great day. It's great to be back in church. I've been missing for a couple weeks. <laughs> but God is good, right? And God is our healer. And so um, I don't know about you guys, but I feel better. <laughs> Amen. Um, so anyways, I want to start by taking up the tithes today. Uh, you know, we all have a responsibility before God to honor him with everything that we are. And part of that is with our first fruits. You know, and we can give uh, of our time. We can give up our money and stuff like that. But I want to take up the offering. We have a few ways to give. You can send an e-transfer to info at i9church.com, or you can send it to the address that's on the screen as well. And uh, just so everybody knows, we have been working really hard at getting the tax receipts all prepared and everything. Uh -huh. By the way, my ear keeps plugging up, so if I start sounding crazy, I can't hear myself very well. <laughs> um, but we've been preparing the tax receipts and everything, so I just want you guys to know if you gave money to I-9 Church last year, you will get two separate tax receipts. You're gonna get a tax receipt for, from Destiny for January 1st to July 1st. And then from July 2nd, we officially became a charity as a church. Mm -hmm. So from July 2nd to December 31st, you will get a tax receipt from I-9 Church. Amen. Amen. Are you all right? Are you guys ready to hear the word of the Lord today? I want to start off today and, uh, you know, with a question more or less, which is, has anyone ever, you know, had to do something that they didn't quite understand until a later point in life? You know, anyone, you know what I'm talking about? All the teenagers probably got their hands up right now where they're just like, every single day, this is what goes on in my life, right? You know, it's like, my parents say this, nothing makes sense anymore. You know, you know, we, we, we experience this all the time, you know, you know, sometimes even at work or, you know, people tell it, you know, there's certain training things. And, and then next thing you know, you're just like, why? None of this makes any sense. It just seems silly. Uh, you know, I was talking to a minister friend of mine uh, a little ways back and he was talking about how he had lost a finger. And uh, he had he used to you know you know pray all the time for it to to be restored and, and to grow and, and you know the miraculous power that we, you know that that we know that Christ can perform and and then he realized he said you know over over a period of time he says I don't know how many conversations started that I was able to share Christ with people as a result of my missing finger and uh, and he said you know I, I really you know said sometimes you don't realize what goes on the course of why things are the way they are until a later point. You know, many of you guys know that I'm, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a movie buff and I love, love watching movies. And uh, a little ways back, I was watching a series with uh, Vincent, uh, you know, it was called The Karate Kid. And, and when you think of The Karate Kid, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? There we go, right here, you know, wax on, wax off. And uh, for those who've never had the great opportunity to watch the Karate Kid movies, um, really what happens is, is that there's, there's a, young, a young boy and uh, he wants to learn karate and so he, he finds this elderly man to, to start teaching him some karate. And so um, the, it was Mr. Miyagi, that was the older man. And he, he tells the boy to show up and as soon as, you know, the next day, he's going to start teaching them. And so when he shows up, he basically, you know, hands him, you know, like a bucket and, and tells him to start, you know, you know, washing the car. And then the next thing you know, he, he's painting the fence. And this goes on for days and days. And all he's doing is washing cars, right, and, and painting the fence. And, you know, after, you know, kind of like a normal teenager at this point, you know, after several days of this, it's just like, I want to learn karate. And all that you do is make me come here and do your chores for you. And, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Miyagi comes and he, he basically sits him down and here, you know, I'll use Pastor Sherry as an example here, you know, and, and basically she's just like, you know, so he just says, I'm going to, you know, puts him in a stance and he just says, now wax the car. And then he's just like, paint the fence. 
right? And, and so basically, you know, we're not very good at karate, I don't, obviously. I don't paint too many fences. Pastor Sherry's not very good at painting and fences and <laughs> waxing cars and stuff. But, but basically, he was teaching them the techniques that were getting into, the, into his skill set. And so it was developing him on how to do different blocks and so forth. And so the revelation of that didn't come into a latter point, And it just seemed like he was walking around, you know, silly you know, during this particular time. And I think this is something that we often go through in life where we're just like, we're in a season or we're in something and we're just like, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But God always has a plan and a revelation of things that he's trying to, to do in our lives. And this is part of really what God does in the way that he operates. That's right. There's a good scripture actually that um, talks about it. This is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 to 15. It says in verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. And uh, you know, this is really fitting is that, you know, sometimes things just feel backwards the way God does things. It doesn't always feel like it's logical to man. And this situation is something I think that's just gonna always come up from this point forward. So just be prepared to always hear about it. But that day that I got up and I played the keyboard <laughs> on a Sunday morning, right? Um, in, in the nat to the natural mind, that would seem foolishness because I hadn't touched the piano in, you know, probably a couple years. I don't even, I've never played with anybody else before. I, I didn't even know what songs were on the set list that day. I had no idea. So naturally, to the natural mind, it seemed like foolishness for me to get up on the keys to lead people, a group of people, into worship to God. But I sensed that God was doing something. And so I felt like he said, I want you to do this. So I said, I'll do it. If I look like a fool, I look like a fool, but you're the one who asked me to do it. And just doing things because I understand that I have to be sensitive to discern when God is doing something behind the surface. See, he's not always gonna use things in the way that we think that he's going to. And God's been using that situation in many different things that a lot of people come to me and, and stuff like that. But we need to get to the point where we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit to hear and to be able to be in communion with him to know when he is leading in these things. Amen. And so discernment really, this is the definition of, the, of, of discernment. It says the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. That's basically something that's not well known, it's difficult to understand, or it's hidden. Uh, specifically, even in a biblical context, it makes reference to by a spiritual guidance or a revelation from a deity. So really when we're talking about discernment, it, it's that unraveling and, and uncovering of something that is, is there, but it, you know, it's, it's kind of not always clear, it's a little you know, hidden, and it's specifically even talking about how God Almighty is the one who even reveals that to you. And that's what we talk about discernment. And I really feel that this has been something that has been, uh, you know, a theme, first of all, which is in the Word of God. But I also believe it's a theme that has been just arising within the body of Christ in more recent times right now, this, this area of discernment. You know, I believe that it's, it's come up quite a bit, even within the leadership, you know, within the church. And this has been a conversation that we've been having about being able to discern what God is saying. Because if we don't understand what God is saying in the different seasons of our lives, we're gonna miss it. Mm -hmm. And so this is really, really important that we understand how to discern the voice of God. And so as we do this, it, it's, it's, the reason why it's so challenging is because as I said, the, our intellect, the way that we're trained, the way that we think, the way that we process information, it processes through our brains, right? And our intellect. And what happens is, is that our intellect and our intelligence and our logic don't line up always with what God's wisdom is or what he's doing. It doesn't make sense. And so when we depend upon our own strength, we would depend upon our own interpretations, we would depend upon our own perceptions, we often are missing what God is really trying to say. And so we need to really pay attention to that. One of the things that I, I you know, that I think is really is relevant is, is that the word of God always is, gives us an opportunity to be able to provide truth and, and things in it. But I want you to know that God's word as a standalone, right, does not give us the, it, it does not um, replace discernment, okay? I'll give you an example of this. 
the, Phar- the scribes and the Pharisees were knowledgeable in the word of God. They knew the scripture inside out, but they couldn't discern the Messiah that was standing in front of them. That's right. Okay, now this doesn't belittle scripture. This doesn't mean that we don't need scripture. Scripture is relevant. Scripture is something that is necessary. Scripture is something that we need to have as an impartation of, of, of Christ on the inside of us. But we also need to do it in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to be able to discern what God is saying through the word of God. Mm-hmm. So I wanna bring up some, even some basic uh, general operational things, right? So, you know, when we're looking to uh, work with, with discerning things even beyond scripture. There's some basics that we wanna know. And this is really, you know, first of all is know God intimately, okay? I mean, we, we go over this over and over again about, you know, the importance of prayer. How do you get to know God? You study his word. You get to know who he is, his character, his nature. But you have to spend time with God. How do we spend time with God? With prayer. It's communicating with God. And it's not just a one-way dialogue, Okay, it's something that you also have to listen to God. And as we spend time listening to God and communicating in prayer, this is why it's so important so that we can hear and know the voice of God to be able to discern what he's saying to us this day. That's right. The second basic that can help us in discerning is to pursue truth. You know, when you entertain lies and you don't um, address lies when, they, when, they, when you're presented with them, what happens is you open yourself up to deception. So as Christians... To become discerning and to be able to walk in discernment, we need to always be pursuing truth and, be go, and to go after it with everything that's inside of us because truth matters. God is truth, right? Amen. The next thing is, on, is just simply humility and obedience to the Lordship of Christ. Pride and self-will are direct counters affecting our judgment. These are things that primarily our, our perceptions change when we are operating in pride and self-will. And so obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and submission to that are things that are going to help us be able to see and discern and hear the voice of God. There's, there's certain things that says, you know, that even in the God's word, it talks about even that our prayers can get hindered. And when our prayers are hindered, you know, there's a blockage that goes up. And so we're not gonna be able to hear properly what God is speaking to us when our, when our prayers are hindered. That's right. And the fourth thing is to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, um, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we have an opportunity to hear his voice and to follow what he, does, what he says or to kind of just set it off on the shelf and reject it. And a lot of times what we do is the Holy Spirit will tell us something and we just kind of like, you know, I'll just put it over here. That's not something I need right now. And we become desensitized to the Holy Spirit. But if we want to walk in discernment, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us, but he's not going to override our will. He's not going to jump in front of your face and say, hey, hello, you got to do this. He's going to tell you, this is what you need to do. And if we become desensitized to hearing his voice, then we're not going to hear when he says, hey, You gotta do this. I need you to go here. I need you to talk to this person. I need you to call this person. I need you to text this person. And so we need to constantly be sensitive, just hearing his voice and practicing that. We can do that through prayer, like Pastor Brian was saying, you know, where we're just, okay, God, speak to me. And one of the things, I don't know why I'm, this isn't in my notes, but one of the things that helped me was I used to take a notebook and I would just pray and I would hold a pen in my hand and I would close my eyes and I would just pray. And I would say, God, I want you to speak to me. And then as he was speaking to me, I was just writing everything down. And then I would go over it again later and anything that resonated with me, I'd highlight. And it just began to help me to be sensitive to hearing his voice and knowing when he was speaking to me. That sensitivity to his voice is key. Amen. So let's get started today. Today we're going to talk about, in the word of God, we're going to speak about a gentleman by the name of Naaman. That's Naaman. And so we're going to read in the passage out of 2 Kings 5. Uh, we're going to mul- go through multiple verses in this, but we're going to be reading from 2 Kings chapter 5. And it says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and an honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. I find this is even really interesting right off the bat here, is we're not even talking about an Israelite. We're talking about a man who was honorable, a man who was great, and he, and he was working even, it says, for the king of Syria right now, and that the Lord's favor was with him. And so he was a mighty man of valor, but he was also a leper. 
The Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master saying, thus and thus says the girl who is from the land of Israel. I love that. You know, you know how, how many of us you know, talk, thus and thus says such and such, you know, or thus and thus says my wife today, or, you know, it's just like, this is the, this is the way that, you know, you know, he was communicating. He was, thus, thus and thus says this, this woman, this girl who's in my house. And so the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. So this man, you know, was wealthy. He had some money that he was bringing with him. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, and I love this part, now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naban my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. <laughs> Hold on, because I feel like this is, this is one of my favorite verses. Like, if, to think about this, <laughs> that verse is the equivalent of let me, let me act this It's out. crazy. Wait, wait, wait. Does this outfit make me look fat? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it's putting It's like there's like in, a no win to the king of Israel and, right here. Yeah, and, and in, this, in this verse, he's basically saying, like, I'm sending my captain over to you, and he needs to be healed, so, you know, heal him. He's like, what the heck? This guy wants to pick a fight with me. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's the equivalent of a wife asking her husband, do I look fat in this? And there's no good answer to that. There's no good answer to this. But, it, but it's wild. I mean, could you imagine what the king of Israel is really thinking at this point? Is like his neighboring kingdom over here, Syria, you know, sends him, you know, this, this man and says, here's my general of my army. I'm sending him to you because you need to heal him. And, and the king of Israel, uh, he, he responds, I love it. He goes, he goes and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, am I a God to kill and make alive? This man sends to me a man to be healed, to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel from me. So the king of Israel is sitting here and he's just basically going, he's like, look, look, is this obvious to everybody that the king of Syria is trying to pick a fight with us right now? It's impossible. I, I, I have no ability to be able to heal, obviously, this man of leprosy. And so in this passage, we, we get an introduction to who Naaman is. And Naaman is really this man who is a prominent man. He's a man who has wealth. He's a man who is strong and mighty and, value, and valor. This is a man who was honorable and well-respected within the community. And it gives us all these great attributes of who Naaman is. And many of us may even have some of these same attributes that Naaman carried but there was a but. The but was he had leprosy. Mm -hmm. And each one of us today also has a but, right? There's what is that thing that you know that you know is your weakness? What is that thing that is that is hiding there underneath the surface? Where is the the thing that is challenging us? And so it says that it says that one of the things that's just it's just crazy about the situation. Okay, we may have all of these gifts, we may have all of these talents, but there's also the buts. And Naaman had a but, and that was what was going on in his life here. And so it said that when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and that he sent him to, and he sent them to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. I like that it says that, that they will know that there's a prophet in Israel because not only is there a prophet in Israel, there is a God in Israel. And you guys know that here in Windsor, Ontario, there is a God here in Windsor, Ontario, right? Amen? And, uh, and so in this moment, Elisha discerns that he needs to go and help the king right? The king had no idea. He's thinking that, you know, he's, he's potentially up for a war all of a sudden. But Elisha hears this and he says, this is where I step in. I got this, right? So we're going to pick up in, uh, in verse 9. It says, then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. 
And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash, I like this. There's so much in this whole section that I'm gonna read. Like it just, it blows my mind sometimes. But it says, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and he went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands all over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. I, I love this. There's so much in this, but we have to understand that Naaman was a very prominent man. And in those days, when, when a prominent person entered into the city, like, it was a big deal. It was not something just lightly taken, you know? It was a big deal. As a matter of fact... It came with, like, caravans of Yeah, people. with caravans, lots yep. of people. As a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 16, 4, um, when Samuel came to Bethlehem, it says even the elders trembled, right? It's a big deal. So here, Naaman, with all his entourage, he's coming into the city, and he's like, I'm coming to be healed. I am, you know, this great man. And he goes to the king, and here's the letter from my king, heal me. And the king's thinking, okay, like, we want to fight? Is that what we want to do here? And so Elisha discerns, and he says, he says, okay, send him to me. But Elisha doesn't even come out of his house, he sends a servant to go talk to him and he tells him not just to go wash in the clean rivers, he tells him to go wash seven times in the dirtiest of dirty rivers, right? Like, like he was insulted. This was an insult to him. A great so, insult. A great one. And we can see here his reaction. I mean, how many of you would feel like this? If you're thinking like, I am this great person and I'm going and I'm expecting things to go my way. As a matter of fact, he's saying like, I expected he's gonna come out here, he's gonna wave his hands. He's gonna say, you know, call on the name of the Lord and here I'm gonna be healed. But it didn't happen that way. And so you, you know, know what happened? Do you know who I am? Do you even know who I am? Like I can imagine he's probably saying that. Do you even know who I am? And then it says he left in a rage. He's mad. He, was he is mad. not happy. <laughs> You know, it, it says here, it says here, he arrived with an expectation. And uh, I've heard this phrase before. It says that expectations are premeditated resentments. Anyone ever hear that phrase before? Expectations are premeditated resentments. See, expectation is to think that something will probably or certainly happen. Uh, while we were doing a little bit of research on this, I was looking at some uh, information from a psychologist even on, uh, for, uh, who worked with uh, developmental things within children. And they were talking about how, how children actually struggle with understanding the, the differences between the subjective world and the objective world. Wait and a second. <clears throat> Do you know what the subjective world and the... Do you guys know what the difference is between subjective and objective? <laughs> okay. Let me explain to you. Subjective is when something happens personally. It's your point of view from where you are standing. Objective is taking a step back and seeing it from a different point of view. So there's a difference. And, and as children, they see things from a very subjective. Everything has to do with them. But as we grow, we have to learn how to be able to see things from another perspective. Very Just a good. little. Very good. Continue. So she's going to finish the story on the psychologist now. <laughs> no, okay. So <laughs> So anyway, so the psychiatrist, psychiatrist is basically saying that one of the things that happens is, is that children, they, when they think certain things, okay, they believe that they, you know, basically will take place, okay? So for instance, if they believe that, you know, they have some, you know, angry, they're angry at their brother and, and that, um, you know, they, they wish them to basically, you know, fall down the stairs or, you know, get hurt or injured and, and something happens, then they believe that that was a direct core, you know, a direct thing due to the thought process that they have on the inside of them. Mm -hmm. And so really what happens is, is that as they go through it, uh, you know, th this is kind of like something that, you know, we hear even in this day and age about, you know, manifesting, correct? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that when they expect though, that as the age of the child matures, even past, you know, the age of seven, that this kind of behavior, this kind of wishful thinking, you know, actually is going to uh, diminish and is going to basically get weeded out. But what, what they realize, though, through the studies is, is that normal, everyday adults 
think the same way. This is something that, you know, didn't just, you know, weed out at the age of seven. It's something that we continue, you know, a, a lot of times to be able to project even our expectations, okay, on other individuals. And so what happens is and during this process, okay, you know, as Pastor Mike talked last week about, you know, how the, the materializing of a, of, a, of a chair just popping out of a tree, okay, we realize for the most part as adults that this is something that is not necessarily going to happen. But what we do do is we often will take our expectations, okay, and just say, hey, you know what, maybe I want a, uh, a cup of water and I have an expectation that if I ask my wife that I could get a cup of, of water, that she will just go to the fridge and, and you know, because fridge water tastes different than tap water, okay, and that she would just fill that up with ice and, and make sure that it's cold and bring me a cup of water and it. say, here's a lovely <laughs> cup of water for you to be refreshed this day, okay? And, and, and this is, and so I think, right? You know, or we think, okay, I have this expectation. I'm gonna ask Or having an expectation water. that, you know, if I have a towel in the bathroom that it's used to dry your hands, not to get completely wet and wash your face with. <laughs> Or sitting down to watch a movie and you want your feet rubbed. And I think that's right? a reasonable expectation. <laughs> These are all reasonable. I think it is so it Am shall be. <laughs> okay, sorry, go on. So the reality is, though, is that what happens is, is that even though we think these things, it doesn't always line up with the other individual who wants to comply with what your expectation is. And so what happens is we have these thought processes and then when they don't occur, there's, there's even these things such as, you know, we feel shocked. We feel more morally indignant, you know, resentful, you know, like, you know, I didn't get my feet rubbed today, you know, uh, while we watched That's a movie. That's morally wrong. That's morally wronging somebody, <laughs> okay? And so it goes back to expectations, right, lead to or are, you know, premeditated resentments. And that word resentment, and this is kind of goes back to the story, this goes back to Naaman here. It says it's a feeling of anger or displeasure about someone or something that is unfair or that, that feeling that really of great displeasure um, regarding as a wrong, an insult, or an actual injury. Okay, can anyone ever relate, you know, relate to this stuff? This is what happens all the time, you know, within, you know, marriages or, you know, even with children, you know, with children or parents with expectations, you know, you, you expect, you know, your children to be able to, to do certain things and when they don't do it, you know, it, it just it falls short all the time and, and we're in this type of situation. Well, I just want to share even like from a personal kind of situation that happened for me, you guys know I'm very black and white and so when I was going through a situation and I just, I, I saw it as very black and white and I was like this is right this is wrong and so in my mind I thought everything was just going to be wrapped up nicely into a box with a nice little bow on it everybody was going to go on their happy merry way and everything was going to be great isn't that the way that life works <clears throat> it would be great if it did but it doesn't <laughs> unfortunately but I was having a conversation with a friend and um, this was a pivotal moment in in my life actually and she said you need to be careful with your expectations that God is going to do something in a certain way in a certain time because God doesn't always work on our time frame and you need to still be okay if he doesn't do things the way that you expect them to be done and I'll and and it shocked me and I thought oh like I never even thought about that like in my natural mind I just thought that this is so black and white it's just like easy to wrap up there's nothing there, like, there's nothing that would cause me to think otherwise and I'm glad that she said that because had I not changed my mind in that moment and given it over to God and said, you know what, God, you deal with it as you want to do, then I would have been resentful toward God because it didn't wrap up easily. It, it wasn't just all nice and pretty in a box and a bow and everybody went on their merry way. And so I was so grateful for that moment to know that, you know what, I needed to be shocked in my moment and say, God, I'm willing to just let you be God do things as you want to do it. He can do things better than we can do them. You know, we like if I were to take it into my hands, like I'd make a mess of it, a complete disaster of it. Just to jump in on that real quick is the the realization is is that I know a lot of times we talk about you know expectations even within like family situations and marriages, and really the point that I think Pastor Sherry is bringing out is is often we can have these same expectations uh, on God. 
or even representations of God within the local church um, or the body of Christ, etc. And so That's it's right. the same type of a situation. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm sure I can ask a question and I will not ask for a raise of hands, but how many of you have ever been hurt by somebody in the church? It's just, this is just, it happens, right? And so we have to be careful not to uh, allow our expectations about the way that people should act or the things that people should do and then become resentful about it. You see, and, and going back to the story of Naaman here, Naaman, when he arrived there, he arrived with this pomp. Like he was just like, you know, he arrived with pride. Like this is who I am. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. And uh, I'm just gonna real quickly go over a few from pride. Proverbs, he says, God hates haughty eyes or the proud look. He says, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. Says, pride goes before destruction. This is a, a common one. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Another one is a man's pride will bring him low. And so we see that, you know, pride is a big deal. And it's something that God is very particular about. Amen. And see, it's, it's like fool's gold. How many are familiar with fool's gold? It, there, it's, it's, it's actually referred to, it's actually a, a mineral which is called py, pyrite, okay? And pyrite has a lot of uh, similar quality, uh, similar things and attributes that look like gold and, uh, and are often found in the same area, areas, right, where gold may, may be. Uh, but it's different, like, you know, it's, it's, it's much more brittle than gold that has different, you know, actual textures and, and, you know, like where gold can be, for instance, you know, melded and, and bent, et cetera, you know, uh, fool's gold can't. And so this is really what happens with pride, right, is it gets in there and, and it deceives us, okay, into believing some, in something that is contrary to the truth. Okay, you guys hear that? It deceives you into believing in something that is contrary to truth. Pride opens the door to deception. And if you see someone who is deceived, most often it flowed out of pride and generally from a root of insecurity. Mm -hmm. That's good. And so this is a situation here, right, where we're, we're, we're often, you're, you're trying to make choices in life and you're trying to make decisions in life. And we, went, go, we go back to this place of discernment of where are we making and hearing the voice of God or are we hearing the voice of ourself and being able to discern what the difference is as we make decisions. Because, you know, in, you know pride, it influences our decision, right? It, it, there's a process that takes place and, and, it, and it affects us when we make choices, Okay, what happens is, is I, I'm gonna give you just a few examples here of, of how pride operates. So pride leads to essentially foolish, foolish assumptions. Take a look here at, at Naaman. One of the things that he did is says that he arrived with all kinds of basically money. And he believed that he could, that this, that this money was going to influence his ability to be able to be healed. So whether it was that he, was, he had the intention, you know, to buy it or whether he was going to use his wealth, et cetera. But what ended up happening here is, is that he arrived and he had this assumption that his money was relevant to the healing process of God Almighty. He mistook, here's a really another one. They mistook the king for the prophet of God. The servant girl did not say that the king of Israel would heal you. It said the prophet in Samaria and so when he said, thus and thus, says the, says, the, says the servant girl, he ended up going to the king of Israel instead of to the prophet in Samaria. And then, and then and when all of this took place, he decided that his terms of how it was going to be done superseded what God's plan of action was. That's right. <clears throat> the second thing, pride turns us inward focus and is self-promoting. So it is something that... Um, can take away our ability to uh, actually have good relationships, right? It elevates, it, it turns into, it turns a person into elevating themselves and really criticizing others. You know, when somebody is filled with pride or they they really struggle with pride, they begin, they think really a lot about themselves and they think very highly of themselves and they think that, you know, you know, just like we said about Naaman, like, do they even know who I am, you know? But then they begin to look at other people and they'll see all of the little things that are wrong with everybody else and they'll begin to pick them apart and they'll begin to criticize 
all of the people. And so you can see that when somebody struggles with pride, it's, it's, it's really self-focused, it's really inward. And, and when, you, when you have a conversation with some of these people, you realize that the conversation always goes back to them or it's always turned, away, or turned around, and no matter if you're struggling with something, they're always struggling with something more. Or, you know, you're, you're trying to share something with them, and then they go in to talk about who they are. And it just, it's always self-focused, and it really harms relationships with others. Yes. Pride produces overconfidence. And so, I think this is important an ele element here, because uh, confidence is something that can be is good and healthy, and it's something that we should actually cultivate, you know, even within, uh, you know, the life of a believer within our homes. It's something that, you know, we, we don't want to have, you know, low self-esteems. We want to be able to know who we are in Christ Jesus, and we need to be able to have a degree, of, we need to have confidence in Christ, okay? Confidence is a, is a good attribute in and of itself. Okay, I want you guys to realize too that just because somebody may have more confidence than you have doesn't necessarily mean that they're in pride. It just means that they also have more confidence. But what happens is, is that when we put ourselves and start relying upon ourselves instead of God Almighty, okay, where we start depending and operating now in pride and overconfidence, we've now crossed over into a different uh, category here altogether. And what happens in this particular part is, is that when we get into this overconfidence, now we are operating out of pride. And now we start, you know, omitting and not seeing things uh, accordingly. We, we start missing out on our weaknesses. We start realizing that, you know, past successes are going to now just determine all of our future you know, successes. And so all of these things are, are just tied in together where we miss the dangers of what pride is doing in our lives because of this overconfidence that's produced through pride. And so Philippians 2.3 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than himself. I really think that's a good scripture just mm -hmm. to keep on an everyday basis, you know, just... Praying that, let that be your prayer every day. <clears throat> Here's another thing. This is a good one. Pride causes people to reject help that they need from others. It's very self-reliant and unteachable. And, um, you know, oftentimes when people really struggle with um, a root of pride in their life, what happens is they struggle with authority. They have issues with authority. And if they have issues with authority, what will happen is an authority, everything will be fine and dandy until an authority goes to correct them or tell them something. And then all of a sudden, it's the end of the world and they either run away or they vilify the authority and they begin to criticize the authority. And all of a sudden, the authority is out to get them. And all of a sudden, the authority is out to get them because of you know, their age, or because of their race, or because of their sex, or because of whatever it is. And, and this is really coming from a root of pride. And it causes people to uh, not want to learn. And we have to understand that in life, we're going to always be learning. And if we don't, we will grow stagnant. So we're constantly growing. We're either growing in learning and growing in truth, or we're growing stagnant. And we get to choose that. So don't ever think that you've arrived and you know everything. And, and I remember somebody one time had said to me, um, you know, that, uh, you know, I like to listen to people because they have more information than me. And I thought, like, this person knows, like, everything that I think that a person could know, this person knew. And yet they had this thought that they were always wanting to listen to because somebody else could have some sort of information that they don't have. That comes from a heart of humility. In what you're, you know, you're saying there is also with, with self-reliance is, 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 you know, some of these phrases that come up all the time, you know, where, where somebody else is doing something and they just, you know, you know, we, we view them, we view circumstances, you know, as incompetence, et cetera, or it's just, I'll just do it myself. Right? We, 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 we put ourselves in these circumstances where we really look at things, and, and it's just that self-reliance of, I can depend on me to be able to do it. And I'm just even really feeling in this moment that there's, um, I was kind of talking a little bit about it with you this morning. 
I just, I felt like there was something in my mind about, um, you know, parents just struggling with this with their kids. And, and maybe you've gone through um, times where you have uh, said to your children, like, I have an expectation that this is going to be done this way, and then it's not done that way, and so you go and you take it away, and you say, never mind, I'm gonna do it, I'll do it better. And, it, and it's really come from a, a place of pride, and I really feel that God is saying that if that's, if that's you, if that's something that you've struggled with, that if you go and humble yourself before your children, and you ask for forgiveness, that it will pave the way for restoration in your relationship with them. And pride? blinds us from seeing our pride. It prevents us from admitting that we're wrong. It, it, it even gives us the, you know, the, the untouchable, you know, have you ever, you know, you know like, uh, you know, you're untouchable, you're not, you know, people can't approach you, you're, 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 you're out of their league, right? It makes, it gives us this, you know, aura, you know, of arrogance and so forth, that untouchable. And it causes spiritual blindness. And the reason why it does such is, is pride, you know, when we talk about pride brings destruction, is it's because it deludes us. There's this deluding process, this deception that kind of goes along with pride where, as I said, you know, we're blinded. You're not able to see what's happening because there's this process that just kind of, you know, gives you bits of information. You know, what do we even, you know, we even talk about, it, you know, blind spots. Okay, these are all things that kind of all stem out and flow through this. Okay, and so I want to, one of the things that, that happened in this story as it continues, it says, and so after Naaman's in this rage, he's upset, he's leaving. The, the prophet of God insulted me. But it says in verse 13, it says, and his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? Of course, Naaman would have done that. But he says, how much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean? And really what's going on here is God's processes are always different than man's. And God sees Naaman and he comes in and there's a process that he's dealing with him and he confronts the pride inside of Naaman and Naaman is now left with a choice. You know, when the story started, it said that he was back in his home and there was a, a servant girl that was in his house. And what's, what I find is really interesting about this is we really gotta think about this. So the servant girl was really a slave who got captured in the midst of war, came into this household, and now she's a slave servant in a foreign land to Naaman's wife. If somebody had an opportunity to be bent out of shape and upset, it's that girl. And what happened is she, she didn't process things, you know, with, oh, Naaman, he deserves leprosy. No, she had compassion. She had compassion on him, and she realized the power of God, and she realized the glory that was due to God, and she shares that with her master. Now, fast forward here, Naaman's standing here in front, and he's in this rage, and who does God use again? His servants. So his servants come back up to him again and they say, Naaman, what are you doing? You've traveled all this way to go wash and you're upset about X, Y, and Z. And so the servants once again, and so Naaman had this choice, the choice. What was he gonna do? Was he going to submit to God's authority, the prophet? Or was he gonna do his own thing? And so in order to proceed forward, he had to be in submission to what God was doing. He had to humble himself to move forward. That's right. And that submission, because we know that he did follow it. Um, so when he submitted himself, it created two acts of humility and faith that went against his logical, rational, natural thinking. First thing is he had to remove his armor and expose his le leprosy, right? And so um, one of the things about leprosy is that it can fester for a long time before it, it, it really um, becomes evident that you have leprosy. And so, you know, for a long time, I'm sure he had, Naaman had leprosy for a long time and that he was able to hide it with his armor, right? 
but it had it must have gotten to a point where his armor was no longer able to contain it because all of a sudden now he's in desperate need he needs to be healed so he's got this great entourage he's this man of great importance and he goes and now all of a sudden he's submitting himself and so he has to go wash in, in the river and so he has to first take off his armor to expose the leprosy and you see pride is like that leprosy it can fester beneath the surface for a long time before it's exposed and before people actually realize or maybe even you realize that it's something that you struggle with and the way that you deal with it is humbling yourself and saying you know what I need to take off my own strength and not think that I can do everything on my own take off my own armor and allow it to be exposed so that I can wash in the river and that's that second act that happened was he dipped in the river the dirty river Jordan I mean, God uses, used something that was dirty and messy to restore him. And then it even says, I want to read in verse um, 14, it says, So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Do you guys even understand that I'm sure at some point, like I'm sure he wasn't young. You know, he probably had some wrinkles, but it says when he dipped in the River Jordan seven times that his flesh was restored like that of a little child. He wasn't just healed. He was completely restored, 100% restored. And so, um, you know, them, I, we sang in the song today, it will be my joy to say your will your way and I just felt so much with that saying God sometimes you ask us to do things that just don't make sense to our natural mind I don't want to take off my armor and reveal that I struggle with this I don't want to go and dip in the dirty river Jordan but I understand that I must do this and I must follow what you say no matter how you say it so that I cannot just be healed, but I can be fully restored. Amen? Amen. And then it says, it says, and he returned to the man of God, he and all of his aides, and came and stood before him and he said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. And he said, but he said to him, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it again, but he refused. All the glory, it didn't go to the prophet, it went to God. Right. And so the glory goes to God. God won't share his glory with any man. And so when this process took place, Naaman realized it was the glory of God. It was God Almighty. And then he continues on and it says, so he was convinced that there was now a God in Israel. There was a God that he was going to serve wholeheartedly. And I love this last part because I think this is a great representation of it. And it says, and so Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods. This is what I love about it. Here's a man who arrived with all kinds of wealth, all kinds of prompt, all kinds of prominence, and came in with all of this great expectation. He goes through this process, and I believe that this is important. There was a repentance and an, uh, of, of pride, and there was an operation then of humility. And at the end of this, he comes in with all of this. What does he ask for, and what does he leave with? Dirt. So what is it? That's, that's, please, let me have dirt. And he realized the holiness of God Almighty and that dirt and, you know, the, the favor of God, the holiness of God's dirt in the land of Israel was worth more to him than everything else. And so the humility, the repentance that produced it in his life. Let's all stand to our feet right now. Pride is something that, you know, I said this earlier, but it, it's something that we shouldn't wait until it gets too much for us to deal with to try to deal with it. Pride is something that, like, like I said earlier, you know, that scripture, keeping that before us, and God, I don't wanna have any selfish ambition. God, I don't wanna do things my way. God, I want to do things your way, your will, and I want you to be the one who, who, who I follow, you know? And, and so this should be a prayer that we have every day, 
every day, God, expose the dark parts of my heart. I remember one time praying that, the first encounter weekend that I ever went on, and, uh, and we had to actually get up and we had to say what we were expecting God to do in our hearts. But I remember in that moment saying, God, I just, like, show me the dark places of my heart. And I'd been a Christian for a long time. And, you know, God is faithful. He wants you whole. He wants you restored. And so he will show you these things that are hiding out in the dark places of your heart. And he will show you what you need to do in order to be able to deal with that and to be restored in that moment. Amen. Um, Pastor Brian was talking about, you know, the word of God discerning. Um, the word of God is important for discernment. And, you know, the Bible actually talks about how the word of God discerns the intents of the heart. It says it, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to cut through the marrow and the bone. You know, as we spend time in God's presence, as we spend time in God's, uh, just in prayer and getting to know his character and who he is, that we are learning about how he would want us to deal with things. And then there we can find out what is going on in our heart. And so in this moment, you know, every situation that we have, every, every situation that we walk through, we have an opportunity. Are we going to embrace pride in that situation or are we gonna embrace humility? And it's extremely hard as a human being to walk in that humility and say, you know what? I am, I'm good, just, I'm gonna humble myself. I'm gonna make myself lowly. You know, when Christ died on the cross, he made himself lower, you know? He humbled himself so that we could experience restoration, so that we could be whole. I just want you to bow your heads right now. We're just going to pray for a minute. And I want you to just really reflect in your heart and ask him, say, God, is there anything in my life? Is there any conversation that I've had? Is there any situation that I've gone through where I've operated out of pride? And if there is, if God reveals that to you, then know that he's given you the grace to be able to uh, deal with that, to be able to repent of it, to be able to go to the person and make things right. God, I thank you that you are faithful in this moment to be able to reveal your will to us. And God, I just ask that if there's anything that is lingering in the dark parts of our hearts, Father, if there's anything that's lingering that is uh, that we are making decisions out of pride or we are not humbling ourselves, Father, I ask that you just reveal it to us right now. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful to be able to walk us through this. I thank you for your grace, Father, to be able to get to the other side, to be able to get through this, Father. And I thank you that you are with us. I thank you, Father, that as we repent of that pride, that you are faithful to forgive us of all our sins. God, right now, we just give everything over to you. We humble ourselves before you. God, we don't want to live on this earth without you. We don't want to be here without you leading us, without you guiding us. God, I thank you that you are just ministering to our hearts right now, Lord Jesus. And that full restoration is coming in Jesus' name. Father God, I just thank you that as Jehovah Ori the light, the Father, that you are shining into our lives, right, our, our lives right now, shining into our hearts, Father, and revealing to us, Lord, what is there. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's not a spirit of condemnation, but a spirit, Father God, of restoration. And I thank you, Lord, that there's a wholeness, Father, that is being produced inside the lives of men and women. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we repent this day, as we move forward, Father God, and we choose, Father, to walk in humility, and Father, out pride out of our lives, Lord, that contention will cease within our homes. And I thank you, Lord, for the favor of God and the blessing of God to be released upon the people in Jesus' name. And so as we uh, dismiss this day, I just want you guys to, to go forth and be blessed, be anointed, go forth in favor. 
you know, and allow God also to do that work on the inside of you. If you need prayer still, and you would like more prayer, even on the area of discernment today, you know, or expectations or pride, just come on up to the altars today. We'll have the altars that are going to be open. We'll have people here to pray for you. The rest of you, you are dismissed. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you tomorrow night for prayer at the Lighthouses at 710. Amen. Welcome to the After 9 Show. Welcome. You know the drill? Well, maybe you don't know the drill, and I'll tell you what the drill is. So, <laughs> hi. Basically, uh, what we are... <laughs> Sorry, that was like a, do you know the drill? Stay tuned to find out what the drill is. Yeah. I'll tell you what the drill is. You'll find out what the drill is after this commercial break. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so basically, what we are is the uh, conversation after the service that we just listened to. So Pastors Brian and Sherry gave us a word about fool's gold. So we just started a series on pride today. So if you didn't catch that and you're just tuning in now, click the link in the description below if this is Wednesday and you're watching us on YouTube. And check this service first because there's going to be things we're going to say today that's going to apply to that that you don't want to miss. Yeah. No, no fool would want to miss the gold that I was, was just like, preached. I felt like you were processing something to say. No, um, I had that in there. My favorite thing today was like, thus and thus. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was like the Bible's way of saying blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She was talking thus and thus. Mm, yeah, thus yeah. and thus. So what stood out to you today? Well, I felt a little Besides bit. Thus and thus. I felt a little bit called out. I felt a little bit attacked. Um, felt a little bit. <laughs> a little bit attacked. I felt a little bit personally bothered by the point of conversation because this is why pastors Brian and Cherry, they they, they think they know better than me, and they do, but they've been talking to me this week. Ha, uh, Larry, you're so funny. They're talking to me this week about my lack of trusting people mm. and how I do struggle and I know I struggle with that and I, I choose to like pick the people that I want to trust instead of like letting everybody in my life I have like my safe people and then everybody else is like a 10 foot pole so I'm working on it but he was talking about that today how you know pride is I can do it myself I'm self-reliant you know I don't need other people in my life which is a lie we do we really do so that really stood up to me yeah I mean we all struggle with it we all deal with even if it's yeah. just a little bit of pride. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of pride can go a long way in um, right. your walk with rela your relationships with others, your relationship with God. And I remember, I think everyone was probably convicted or spoken to today. Yeah. Because you can be operating in pride and not even know it. That's I remember right. a Angie asked me one time, she's like, why aren't you emotional? And I'm, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I would say. But here's what, she's okay. like, you never, you're, you're, you have a hard time being like vulnerable. You don't like... Hmm. Uh, crying in front of me. You don't do this and this and this. And <laughs> thus and thus. <laughs> thus and thus. But, and then she's like, I think that's a little bit of pride. I'm like, I'm not prideful. Oh. And then right there, I was like. Pride. Uh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and and knowing that, because um, I always wanted to be strong. I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. be that man's man. I'll be that strong for you. And that's yeah. just pride. Yeah. You know. And I think pride is two faces too, because I know something that I do is I'll be like, oh, you know, um, I'm not this or like I'm infamous for not loving compliments um, so it's like you know but Christine always calls me out and she's like pride says or um, confident what did you say oh humility says thank you you know pride says don't 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 so you know pride can have two faces you can be haughty and all these crazy things or you can be like me and just not want to receive a compliment because yeah but speaking of humility, we have a guest today. <laughs> you want to come on up? Come on up. <laughs> Sorry, we were we were rambling a little bit. That's okay. I was trying to hear Welcome you. to the party. <laughs> oh, well, I was basically talking about how pastors Brian and Sherry called me out on self-reliance. Mm -hmm. okay. And that I felt personally attacked by that. No, I'm just kidding. A little bit no. of pride? Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> so what did you get out of this? Come a little closer to me. Well, actually, I, I thought it was really good. And there was a lot we could learn. Like even the title he has, what she talks about, Fool's Gold. Right. Now, fool's gold is something that looks real yep. until it's under pressure. Oh, that's good. You know, so when it's under pressure, the real thing is revealed. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's sometimes how our pride comes forth. We don't really realize we have pride yep. until we get under pressure. That's right. And then we see. 
It's like, oops. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was a powerful statement where he said, real gold can be bent and shaped into mm -hmm. what it needs to be, where fool's gold can't. It's just no. brittle and it snaps right. when yep. it's put right. under pressure. Like That's you right. said, I love the way you put that. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say was I liked how, um, well, I already touched on the self-reliance thing, but I liked mm -hmm. how they kind of gave us that little snippet about resentments and how they say like expectation, what is it? Expectations are premeditated resentments. Thought that was really good because I, I, I tend to do that a lot. I think I'm, Angie told me, she said the best thing to me last night. She said, Sarah, I think you're a visionary. And it was just a really nice way of saying that I <laughs> overthink. Hi, Terry. And so I, um, sorry, I was distracted, but I, I do this a lot where I'll see something that I want and I hope, and then I have this expectation in my heart that ABCD is going to happen and then it doesn't happen. And then, you know, seeds of resentment sicken. So I thought that was pretty mm -hmm. good. Um, even how they were talking about like their little mini feuds about towels and feet and stuff. <laughs> but, um, how often do we do that where we have expectations in our lives that we don't communicate yeah. and, uh, we get stuck in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I've gotten in trouble a few times from that, from expectations. <laughs> but, you know, as you grow in your relationship, and I'm speaking about me and Angie here, me and my wife, of like, oh, I expected this and this and this. And it's like, oh, but we didn't communicate that. That's we right. just expect that, right? Yeah. Um, so, and then it's so important to talk those things out because it's always those little tiny things that can become resentments within your relationships and cause destruction. Really but good. if we're humble enough to just be like, hey, this happened, I didn't appreciate it, or I'm sorry I didn't do this, then we can fix our problems like that. <laughs> it's true. What did you think about, um, you know how they use the example of Naaman mm -hmm. and how he was this, you know, big guy, big kahuna, but then in order to get his healing, he had to go to like the dirty mm -hmm. and the gross. And so I was thinking that with my life, you know, if I have my issue, which is like the butt that Pastor Brian was saying, <laughs> yeah. um, if my issue is lack of trust or mm -hmm. pride, um, how often does God send us to the dirty water to find, to be, to, to be clean, right? Like yeah. we do the, like we have to do the thing that we don't want to do in order to be, to be healed. I think that's how God reveals the pride that is within us. Sometimes, yeah. you know, we need to be awakened to the pride that we do have. And I think that's where Naaman was. Naaman didn't realize he had pride until he told him what he had to do. And then he thought, so, you know, I'm too good for that. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's not what he said, but basically that's what he was saying. Like, why can't I go wash in clean water? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. because he had to go do the dirty water, he thought, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. But that's how God chose to reveal the pride that Naaman had right. within himself. That's you know? right. I think that's cool. Even Pastor Sherry said, you know, we're always growing. Mm -hmm. Either we're growing uh, spiritually, emotionally, you know, mentally, or we're growing stagnant. And I never want to get to that place where I tell God that I'm too good to do something. I like yeah, what he sure. said, too, when he was talking about um, pride and confidence. Yeah. You know, sometimes we can misconstrue pride for confidence or vice versa. Sorry. Whereas, you know, we can be prideful and still be confident. That's right. Or we can be confident and not have any pride. That's right. You know, so how do we distinguish? Well, I feel like confidence comes with, like, I turned the question on you. No, no, I, I, I like it. I, I feel like confidence, um, you know, you can have confidence to a degree where if it's not great, you almost have like a seed of arrogance around you. Mm -hmm. But I feel like confidence to me is like, look at who's surrounding the person. If you see a confident person and there's people that they're building up and there's people that they're really close with and they have groups of friends and they mm -hmm. have, you know, that's someone that's confident, but capable of letting people in, you know, letting people part of their world. Or if you have confidence, that is the point of self-reliance and arrogance. You know, those people are going to be the, the island and the people that don't have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mentorship and guidance and connection with others. Mm -hmm. It's good. It reminds me of the story of young David when he takes on Goliath, right? Okay, yeah. He's like, David. you come to me with sword and spear, but I come with you with the power of Almighty God. That's right. And I wonder that if maybe people in the Israelite army or the opposing army looked at him and said, what a cocky little kid. <laughs> like, he thinks he's going to kill this giant. Like, he's full of pride. That's right. But he's, no, it's like, I just got what confident. I got. He's confident <laughs> yeah. in the Lord. And that can be, That's right. it can be seen as, oh, he's prideful. He's, he's blown up. He's That's arrogant. Right. But no, it's just confidence in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And because he knew God. Yeah. And he knew what his weapon was. And he yeah. knew what his weapon was. And when we have confidence in the Lord, I think others can see that as being pride because they don't have that relationship mm -hmm. with God or they don't know that. Yeah. But when you truly 
uh, when you have that discernment, you know that that's just the confidence in the Lord. Right? Yeah, I think there can be a fine line there too. You know, the way you say it, you can look at it one way or you can look at it the other way. And that's why it's so important that we don't want to get caught up in pride yes. because with pride comes deception. That's right. So it's so important for us to always ask God to search our hearts. Yeah. You know, if you find anything that shouldn't be, like Pastor Howie said this morning, take it out and straighten me because I want to be right. I want to be whole. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to be saved. That's I don't want to be caught up in pride or deception and not know it. And yeah. that's what deception is. Yeah. <laughs> deception is deceiving. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love to, even in prayer this morning, when you guys were um, talking about, you and Pastor Howie did the um, prayer before service, mm -hmm. and you were talking about that, um, I don't know where the reference is, I can't think of it off by heart, but how Nathan went to David yes. and did the allegory of the sheep and how David was like, let this man be, you know, rebuked fourfold yeah. and you know blah 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 Put but he's like yeah. you are that man David yeah. like wake up and smell the roses <laughs> bud like you're the one you know you took this man's wife and so I just oh it gives me goosebumps yeah. but it's like you know so it, it's like why am I looking at the speck in my own eye wait why am I looking yeah. at the speck in my neighbor's eye when I have a log I'm coming out of my brain my own eye. yeah I think it's crazy. That's pretty good. Do you like yeah, that? Yeah, it all tied it together. Yeah, well, it well works. Done. We're firing on all cylinders today. Yeah. We are. Yeah. So anything to add before we uh, start closing down? Um, did you notice Pastor Howie and I are 20? Yeah, Pastor Howie, come here. Come here. Hi. Come here. Hey, come here. Take your jacket off. <laughs> Hurry up. We're twinning You got to stand in front of me. You got to stand here in front of me and show them all. See? Stand here. You match well. We're twinning. She said, she said your clothes are laying on the she said your clothes are laying on the bed in there. But I also said you can wear what you want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can wear what you want. You have the option, but not right. really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You can yeah, go yeah, sit yeah, down yeah. now. We just wanted to show you that that's Pastor Howie. We love him. Well, I think that's all we have for today. So um you know, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we love having you. you on the show. Or the, yeah. And we love, we loved prayer this morning. So I, I always get excited when you and Pastor Howie share Aww, because I feel like you. you guys have such a passion that it's, <laughs> it's rare and I love it. Um, it's fervent. Catches fervent. fire. Yeah. It gets us excited for yes. the things of God. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, well, tomorrow we have the lighthouse at 710. Yep. And we'll all be there. Will you be there? I'll be there. And you'll be there? I won't be there. You, but you'll be watching. I'll be watching. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I don't I'll want you guys. There. I'll be there. Don't discredit the lighthouse. <laughs> I know that sometimes it's kind of different to do it online. Maybe you don't, maybe you're not in a position to find a lighthouse to go to. Um, we do have some. So if you want to join in person, get connected and come. But if you can only watch from live stream, don't discredit. Like I really believe that the spirit of God has no distance. Mm -hmm. So if Amen. we're praying here and we're agreeing together, that it's going to be the same for you. So. I'm excited about what's to come. I'm and excited I love for your tomorrow. passion when you do the prayer too. Thanks. It's good. It's great. I love it. It's good times. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, we got. Uh, I think that's all we have for that's today. It. So we got my friend Nate. I'm Sarah and Marsh Mulder, and we'll be seeing you tomorrow at 7:10 at the Lighthouse.